Welcome to CII Radio. I'm Emran Hughes, Communications Director of the Chartered Insurance Institute. In this episode, I will be talking to Claire Tunley and Ian Simons. episode of the podcast, we're talking about what the future holds for the professional development of individuals working in the insurance and personal finance profession. We're joined by Claire Tunley, CEO of Financial Services Skills Commission, and Ian Simons, Customer Director for the CII. To find out more about this podcast and for useful links, go to thejournal.cii.co.uk forward slash podcasts. Here's my conversation with Claire and Ian. Hello, Claire and Ian. Hello, Ella. Hello. Thank you for joining us on CII Radio. So, Claire, could you tell us a bit about the Financial Services Skills Commission and some of the work that you've done? Sure, and thanks Thanks for having me on. The commission was established about a, a year ago, uh, last April, May, and was really a response to some work that the Treasury commissioned uh, a few years ago, looking at the future skills needs for the financial services sector in the UK. And that work identified that there's some pretty fundamental challenges the sector's facing around skills, um, and it needed an overall sector-wide response to some of those challenges around the supply of skills into the sector and ongoing learning. Um, and the commission was the, the result of, of that work. So we're, we're a member body. Our members are financial services firms, charter professional bodies, and some of the, the management accountants and consultants, big four, if you like. And really, the work that we'll be doing is around that collaborative piece on skills. We are a skills commission. We work on skills. It's pretty clear. But what we've been doing over the last year is, is gathering data from our members to, to identify where exactly the, the pinch points and the challenges are on skills and identifying where we want to take action and that collaborative action. But we haven't just been planning this year. We have actually come out with some some deliverables and some products as well. So we're looking at the, the future skills forecasting that, that firms have, um, making sure that we can use that information to identify what the future skills needs are for the sector. So we've been working with firms on that and, and we've produced a toolkit to help firms with some of that strategic skills planning. We've also developed a skills framework, um, which was identified over a year ago as as a need. And we identified a set of eight future skills that that we've developed into a framework. And what the framework does for these eight future skills is break down the skill. And for example, one is cybersecurity. So we look at what exactly it means to be skilled at cybersecurity um, and then what the proficiency levels are. So how can you progress and, and get more a deeper expertise in, in that field? And in many ways, those, those skills align to different areas and different job functions within the sector. So not all roles will have to be level five in cybersecurity, but some will, some will be at level two. And it just starts to break it down and bring some consistency to what the sector is doing on skills. We've also developed some marketing guidelines. We're conscious that we're trying to attract people into the sector um, and be clear about what the the benefits of working in financial services are and what the value to society is. So we've developed some marketing guidelines to help with that that we've we've shared on our website. And just uh, next week, we're going to be launching an inclusion measurement guide to help firms on how they, they measure inclusion within their firms. And this is really in response to the need to develop, progress and retain good people 
people. We don't want people to leave the sector because they've got very, very valuable skills. So how can we measure and improve the inclusion across our firms? But that's just a few things. We've got lots of lots of other things we've been doing as well. Excellent. That's really interesting. So Ian, how has the CII been working with the FSSC and what does it mean for those working in insurance and personal finance today? Thanks very much, Emma. Yes, we've been working with the Financial Services Skills Commission since it kicked off to make sure that whilst obviously personal finance and insurance are part of a wider financial services sector, that it's not an afterthought or seen as a subsidiary of some other sectors that might be better understood or better recognised by individuals or, or government. And I'm delighted to say that's been really well understood right from the offset. We've had a really engaged conversation, really learning from each other on, on what the areas of commonality are. So there are many areas of commonality, but also many areas of difference. So right from the start, we've been engaging along with other representatives from across insurance and personal finance within the programme to look at what the future skills are and, and also what the existing skills needs are. So taking an example of what Claire mentioned earlier, of cyber skills, for example, there's clearly a significant demand for that within personal finance and insurance, but it's slightly different. We've made sure that it can be flexible enough to recognise the differences in the way that that's needed. If you take, for example, a cyber underwriter, they'll need to have a very specific understanding of the potential risk of their clients having a cyber attack and therefore the consequence on their business insurance if, if they're in that side of insurance, which is different from but related to someone who might be working in financial services, thinking about either a, a credit situation or their own business's cyber risk. So it's looking at similar issues through a different lens and making sure it's really practical and applicable to a practitioner in their area. And so as the professional body for personal finance and insurance, we've really taken the opportunity to say let's align all of this working that's being done within the overall financial services sector and take the opportunity to refresh and expand what we had previously uh, in our competency framework to say, how do we make sure it's future relevant? And how do we make sure it's also including not just technical expertise and knowledge, but skills and behaviours. So I'm delighted to say that that's helped us to contextualise that and make sure it's really relevant to the wider sector and we can help. It helps make sure we've got joined up language, joined up approach to attraction of talent, etc. across the wider financial services sector. But it's also really relevant and future relevant to insurance and personal finance specifically. So, Ian, regulation means financial advisors need to hold minimum qualifications. Do you think the insurance profession will follow suit at some point? And what will that look like in terms of additional skills development for professionals in that sector? So you're right. In the insurance, there's no mandatory requirement for qualification. It's always been something that's been talked about. It's on various different radars. And there are pros and cons, in all honesty. Ultimately, for the confidence of the consumer in a sector, they need to know what the standard is and what people are expected to know and how they behave in order to achieve that. And regulators are very clear on aspects of that and increasingly so on the culture, behaviours and ethical approach that individuals need to take, which is something that we're clearly very passionate about as the professional body. So we're trying to make it as easy as possible for individuals and firms to use what we're going to be calling professional map, the new future ready competency framework 
to outline what the knowledge, skills and behaviours are that would represent those needs recognised by the regulator, regardless of whether it becomes mandatory or not. Then everyone knows that it's voluntary, it's down to individuals and firms to understand how they want to meet those standards, regardless of whether it becomes mandatory. And obviously, you're talking there about the competency framework. Claire, how important a part do you think continuing professional development has in terms of those working in insurance and financial planning today? I think it's absolutely essential because the the job roles in the industry is changing so much so quickly that really keeping up to date and keeping your skills up to date with with how those roles are changing and is essential and you know it's been it's really strong and really beneficial that we can work so closely with the the chartered institutes on how the skills that we're identifying at sector level then translate into the professional development that they are continuing to evolve and, and improve and you know pleased to say that the the read across from our skills framework and those eight skills i talked about really does read across very strongly with the cii's professional map that's being developed so we're really pleased about that because ultimately the skills we're advocating for need to be um, relevant and individual need to be trained in them, whether they do that themselves or or through their firm-sponsored training. But that professional development is absolutely essential. It's very unlikely that anyone's going to be able to to navigate their career without continuing professional development. And, you know, the professions are a good home for that. And I think it's many people sort of say, well, jobs are just going to go, their robots are coming. And it's not as clear cut as that. Jobs are evolving and different tasks are being automated, but new tasks are coming in. And I never thought two years ago that I would have to be skilled in data analytics but here I am learning about data analytics and being quite nervous and tentative about it but actually just taking those first steps and it's it's opening up a new level of understanding about how the industry is working these days so um, absolutely I, I see it as essential and, and incredibly grateful of, of the close working that we're having with professional bodies and and it's, uh, you know they're such strong advocates for this CPD that it's great to be working with them. Claire, what do you see is the main challenge facing professionals um, with their personal development at the moment? Is it understanding how their roles will evolve and kind of getting on the front foot and developing those skills before the roles change and they have to meet different requirements? Yeah, I think it's a number of challenges, actually. I think absolutely knowing how your role is going to evolve and, and the development and where to put your effort in reskilling is absolutely essential. And as I mentioned before, we're doing work with our member firms to improve the forecasting of those skills and how jobs are changing. So if we if we don't know what the skills are, we can't train for them. So the first step is identifying those future skills. And a lot of that is about longer term business planning. Um, and there's you know, experts in the field that will be able to predict some of that. I think there's other challenges as well, though. There's there's certainly indications that the the time that we're able to allocate to training and learning within the sector is quite minimal. It's actually the financial services sector is one of the lowest investors in training of any sector, which is quite worrying, um, especially when you consider the amount of mandatory or compliance training that individuals have to undertake. There's very little space and time left for some of the more competency-based skills development that is so valuable. Things like adaptability and, and relationship management, empathy is, is very much much a kind of hot skill at the moment, um, as well as technical skills such as cybersecurity user experience. So making time for that learning and investing in that and valuing it is very important. And and one of the things that we're advocating for at the Commission is for an increase in learning culture within firms, that that learning is valued, there's time allocated, it's part of KPIs, and it just becomes part of the DNA. Um, And really learning from other 
industries such as fintech where some of that ongoing learning is really really baked in at the beginning and, and tech more generally but it's quite staggering the amount of sort of days and hours they devote to learning so there's, there's a bit of a shift needs to happen but i can certainly say the the response we've had to the creation of the commission and the collaboration with people like the cii it's been very positive that we can sort of see that that sort of wave of, of shift is certainly happening but it'll take some time to bed in Thanks, Claire. So, Ian, as part of the professional map, what challenges are our professionals saying that they face? And also, when can members expect to see the new competency framework and what will they be able to do with it? Thanks. Uh, yes. And as Claire was saying, there's there's lots of specific technical areas of skills that are coming across financial services, such as data and AI. I'm delighted to say that in July this year, we're launching our first course on data and AI specifically for insurance, which we've done in partnership with Southampton Data Science Academy as a first response to that clear need. And there will be more and more of that sort of thing where there's specific technical knowledge. But also, as Claire was saying, lots of the behaviours that need to be evidenced. So we all know that when uh, we choose someone to work with or we recruit someone, there's a lot beyond the technical knowledge we're looking for. And some of the aspects that we've got baked into the new professional map are things like curiosity or drive to deliver. These are sort of things that many employers are looking for when they're saying, what makes someone stand out? What makes someone actually serve the client's needs above and beyond or alongside the technical knowledge in order to be able to do that competently? So the competency framework, what we're calling the professional map, we're hoping to launch around the end of this year, at the end of 2021. We've already had a huge amount of engagement with members, with practitioners, with leaders, with HR directors, with training firms, with other professional bodies, almost anyone that you'd hope to have input to this to make sure that it really represents that breadth and depth of knowledge, skills and behaviours needed. And towards the end of the year, we're hoping to launch what we're calling the professional map explorer, which is basically a way of helping any individual or an employer or a training firm to navigate that map in a way that reduces that comprehensive view down to something that's really simple around that individual's needs or the firm's needs. So taking the subsector, taking the level of individual and making sure that you can turn it into simple language that says, can I evidence this person has this skill or what would they need in order to fill that skill? And over time, hopefully over next year, we'll be developing that even further. So taking what would be quite simple self-assessment type things to help you navigate it, to turn it into more of a diagnostic tool set so that firms can really drill down and say, right, where are our gaps? Where are our strengths? And where do we really need to invest in those skills, knowledge and behaviour? And that will really help us as a professional body fill those gaps. As we say, we've already jumped in there and said, well, data and AI are absolutely blindingly obvious. Let's get straight on with that. But how do we prioritise those other courses and how do we make sure that they're delivered in a format that's really relevant to them because not everything whether it's a behavior a skill or a knowledge will be delivered through a conventional study text and exam environment we recognize that and we know that we have to deliver those things differently so we'll be learning through that what the right formats the right channels are and the right ways of making sure that we can genuinely assess that standard Thank you, Ian. And Claire, what's next for the Financial Services Skills Commission? Will you be continuing to collaborate with CII and looking, as Ian touched on there, about the different ways that professionals expect to um, develop their skills, different methods for the future? Absolutely. We've got a, a very busy programme for the next year, not only some, some practical 
uh, work that um, we work closely with our firms, but also some research and, and some thought leadership. But the main thing is, is we're publishing the framework that I mentioned in the autumn, and we'll be looking to, uh, to complete our research into the next phase of future skills because things don't stay static and developing another phase of the future skills framework next year as well. But I, th- I think absolutely it's continuing collaboration. The, the commission are a training provider, but we're trying to kind of create this sense of, of collaboration and, and progression across the industry. So being able to work with the CII has been fantastic. Um, and I hope that, you know, that members can feel that, you know, these skills are reflected. They recognise these in their day-to-day work because the industry is moving very fast um, and we need to make sure that skills don't get left behind. We're investing for the future. Thank you very much, Claire and Ian, for sharing the information. And thank you for listening to this episode of CII Radio. To find out more, visit the journal ciicouk forward slash podcasts or follow us on Twitter at CII Group. Until next time, stay safe and thank you for listening to CII Radio.